I'm Josh Holmes. I'm Comfortably Smug. And just like Jeffrey Tubin's colleagues at The New Yorker, you're about to get a little preview of what's to come. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ruthless. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died. Judge Amy Coney Barrett. If Joe Biden wins, Democrats can sack the courts. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Maybe that's a question you should ask China. Anyway, my time's up. I'm not thinking about That's President. okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. It's a whole hoax. And you know who's playing into the hoax? People like you and the fake news media. We are born free and we will stay free. Oh, Smug, we're so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am to be finally getting our first full episode of Ruthless. Exactly. You know, we've had this in the oven for a little bit, making sure it's nice and ready for the whole audience to enjoy. And finally, here we are. You get something that people actually want to listen to? Yeah. I mean, it, isn't that a novel idea? A podcast for conservatives that isn't just, you know, lecturing them about the Federalist Papers. <laughs> Not for dorks. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, though, uh, there are some things we should go over about the Supreme Court nomination process. That's probably the biggest news going on these days. And you'll never get you know, the truth from this lying, corrupt media. So who better to walk us through than our very own Josh Holmes? Well, I've lived an awful lot of this smug. I've sort of come of age in the modern day uh, Supreme Court and court fights. And so you know, I've, it's been amazing to me, the recreation of history that the media has had about sort of how this all escalated. There is not a single episode where a court fight hasn't first and exclusively been escalated by Democrats. You can go Absolutely. back to, to Robert Bork, right, at the yeah. start. Uh, all, we all remember what they did to Clarence Thomas, obviously. Yeah. But I think almost more importantly than those is what Chuck Schumer and an awful lot of the Senate Democrats who are still in office did to bring us to this point today. What'd they do? Well, <clears throat> Starting early in the Bush term, uh, they had made a decision that they were going to try to block qualified conservative nominees for the first time. They had to come up with a sort of innovative way of doing that because, A, it had never been done before, uh, and, B, it was incredibly politically unpopular. And the reason it was unpopular is the president at the time had about a 90% approval rating. Hmm. Yeah. And the reason he had a 90% approval rating is because it's post-9-11, the country's trying to rally together. Well, who wasn't trying to rally together with these Senate Democrats. And they brought in this group of whack job left-wing people who are all still around, by the way. They're all the ones that are calling for court packing today mm. to write a bunch of memos about how you get this done, right? And, and what happened was one of these memos leaked. This is back in like 2003. And the memo was to Dick Durbin. Oh, okay. There. He's still there. <clears throat> so the memo to Dick Durbin says the primary focus will be on identifying controversial and or vulnerable judicial nominees. The groups, I'm talking about the whack jobs here, the groups would like to postpone action on these nominees until next year when presumably the public will be more tolerant of partisan dissent. So in other words, like screw 9-11 and the country coming together to try to fight terrorism and all that. What we really want to do is block constitutionalist judges amazing so amazing they had, they had a few in mind though and this is where this really gets uh, in practice so egregious and why we've now ended up in this terrible situation is that they, they picked a handful of people including a very talented young uh, dc attorney named miguel estrada mm -hmm. and they didn't have anything on miguel estrada he's a very smart guy uh you know 
clearly the legal credentials necessary to be a judge. And so they kind of make stuff up. But the but most important factor in targeting Miguel Estrada was because he was a, quote, a Latino. Straight, straight up. Straight up, man. They're, so so their, their attack is the Latino lives loudly within you. They're rolling, <laughs> out, they're rolling out that one. Yeah, it's that, that basically sum and substance of why they opposed Miguel Estrada, because they were afraid that President Bush would make him, not some liberal Democrat, the first Hispanic on the Supreme Court. Unbelievable. So it's still, they still had to figure out how to actually get this into motion. And lo and behold, Chuck Schumer comes in uh, mm-hmm. with a bright idea. And his idea is to, for the very first time in American history, use the filibuster, meaning the 60-vote threshold, to block federal judge nominees. Now, again, this is terribly controversial at the time, right? I mean, people were going crazy about this stuff because it just had never been done. If a president is elected, they're allowed to put their judges on. If you get 51 votes, you basically put them on there. Schumer changes the rules and makes the filibuster now a huge portion of it and begins summarily blocking Bush judges. So That's the thing is like, it always starts with the Dems and you never, you'd never get this story from the journos. It always, the, the Dems are always who start and escalate all this kind of shenanigans. Totally. And so, you know, without getting into all the nitty gritty of how this all plays out, you know, the political history is then President Obama wins in 2008. And all of a sudden, Mitch McConnell's taking a look at the rules that Schumer put in place and thinks they actually sort of work for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the best things about cocaine Mitch, right? He, he always finds what they do and makes him regret it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, that's the subject of Ruthless, right? We want, we want our guys to take a look at the holes that Dems have dug for themselves and bury them to their necks in it. And that's, that's precisely what happened here. But now, of course, Democrats think that this whole filibustering thing is nonsense. Yeah, of course. Of course. Oh, Once they so get a taste now- of their own medicine. Yeah, so now this new precedent that they set about 60-vote threshold isn't working out so well. So Harry Reid, in his infinite wisdom, decides in 2013 that he's going to go down to the Senate floor and (laughs) absolutely unilaterally change the rules of the Senate to make the filibuster not apply to judicial nominees. He did this, Smug, I might add you, over three. One, two, three nominees to the dc circuit and mitch mcconnell told him at the time you're going to regret this you might regret it sooner than you think and so what happened and i mean just look fast forward six seven years from there mcconnell shoved 300 judicial nominees (laughs) in the democrats throat including what is about to be a third supreme court justice so here we are in the midst of all of this in 2020, about to confirm what is, I think, one of the most impressive judicial nominees that I've, in the time that I've been doing this, in Amy Coney Barrett. Absolutely. You know, it's, we are finally, finally going to get uh, strong constitutional conservatives who are not legislating from the bench. This is going to be huge for us. It's going to be gigantic, but, but, you know, like one of the things I think you picked up on smug that I would like to get your take on is this ridiculous reaction that we're getting from the activist left about actually confirming a judge and threatening to pack the Supreme court and all kinds of nonsense. I mean, that's the thing is, so this is their new angle. 
is they realize, oh shit, you know, we can't abuse the rules anymore. Uh, why don't we just light the entire constitution on fire and pack the courts, you know? Uh, and, and Joe Biden is not going to answer any questions about it. He, you know, the one time we had a journalist shout, are you going to pack the courts? He said, I'm not going to tell you. You have to wait until after the election. Like, this is what the Looney Tunes want. They want to have, you know, 20 more judges put on there, uh, you know, Supreme Court Justice AOC, who's going to just say, yep, guns are illegal. You can't do that. Uh, First Amendment, you don't need that. Everything is hate speech if it's from a Republican. All your rights are going to get stripped away as soon as these crazies pack the court, and that is their mission now. And that, that's absolutely right. I mean, what, what we're looking at in this election is a choice between that. Let's not fool ourselves, right? When they tell you that they're going to do it and Joe Biden won't tell you that he won't do it, means that's exactly what they're planning to do. Just look at the history. Look what I just marched us through. That's yeah. only 18 years. In 18 years, they fundamentally changed the way that this country nominates and confirms justices and judges to federal courts. They, they finally realized, you know what, you know, we're not too good at trying to make new rules, so let's just throw them all out the window. Let's just pack the court. And that's the most dangerous thing facing America right now. They get that, and it's – let me tell you, it's curtains on everything. And you could see, based on those hearings – I know you paid a lot of attention to it uh, last week, but you could see in those hearings what Democrats think the role of the courts ought to be. You totally. Know I mean? It's the difference between conservatives and, and liberals in technicolor. Because you've got liberals who basically say, all right, well, here's, you know, poor Johnny. Poor Johnny has got a, a problem. Uh, poor Johnny broke a thousand laws on the way to try to solve his problem. So he shouldn't be accountable for any of those things, right? Oh, <laughs> totally. Makes Dude, sense. We got laws. Your job is to interpret them. That's it. If you have a problem with the law, change the law. That's your job as a senator. And that's the thing is, you know, what I loved is they were so outraged that they couldn't get Amy Coney Barrett to say, I will fight, you know, for the Green New Deal. Uh, I will pass whatever legislation you want. She says, you know, this is not my job to legislate. You know, spoiler alert, you're the legislators. I'm, I'm, I'm a judge. Um, and the journos and the Dems went crazy. They're like, why won't she tell us if she supports the Green New Deal? And I, I always go back to this. I want to remind everybody there is a thing called the Ginsburg rule, you know, coined by the notorious RBG, who said, quote, I cannot say one word on that subject that would violate that would not violate what I had said to be my rule about no hints, no forecast, no previews. So ACB follows that to the letter and they all lose their mind. It's just, you know, the hypocrisy is insane from these people. Yeah, it's well it's once again, I mean it fits perfectly, right? They make the rules Mm -hmm. and then they don't like it when it, it applies to them. Totally. And you know this I'll tell you one thing, though. This nomination process has been hard, but not as hard as Jeff Tubin on a Zoom call. <laughs> Am I right? We, we got to get into this. Let's talk Tubin Gate. The people demand it. The people uh, want to hear it. Let me, let, me, let me give the story. So Vice broke this story that Jeffrey Tubin, uh, during a work Zoom with his New Yorker colleagues, Thought, you know, he he pushed that little button to mute the video. And then he just pulls it out and starts going to town. You know? Just a casual Zoom, business Zoom call, letting it fly. 
I mean, you have, you, you, look, let's, let me just start with this disclaimer. Ordinarily, I would have some sympathy for this, right? This is, <laughs> this is the worst nightmare of every American alive. <laughs> the worst nightmare. And ordinarily, I would say the horrible public humiliation that Jeff Green, er, that uh, Jeffrey Tubin is experiencing here would be would suffice. I would just pass right over. But after what this guy did to Justice Kavanaugh, I'm seriously, look the other way, man. No, he's not gonna no, do I, it. I mean, he's got a hell of a track record, you know. Well, <laughs> in such things, I want to hear it. Well, Let us know. Look, 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 look. I, I had a Freudian slip there earlier when I said Jeff Greenfield. Uh, <laughs> because the reason that this is so bad is not because of Jeffrey Tubin. It's because the guy that pays the price on all of this is always Jeff Greenfield. <laughs> this poor guy is the colleague of Tubin at CNN. And every single time that Tubin does something remotely controversial, everyone begins to circulate the stories about how Jeffrey Tubin slept with Jeffrey Greenfield's daughter. It's so, it's so ruthless. I mean, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's just horrible. I, I guarantee this guy's got to think, man, what did I ever do to deserve this? I got this idiot who I got to work with, who had an affair with my daughter, and now every time he does something stupid, I got to hear about it? It's, I mean, it, it can't be fun. <laughs> Tough oh. time for Greenfield. Oh, I mean, the other aspect of this that I'd be interested in your take on is like, you know, what's going on with, with Tubin? in just sort of introducing all of this into the work call, right? I mean, well, I, here's the thing. So apparently what's going on is the New Yorker was having an election simulation. I think, you know, maybe, maybe Tubin sees the email. He, he might be dyslexic or something and sees erection stimulation. He's like, all right, team, uh, let's get into this. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm just your man. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, but but like the the people you feel for here are the the colleagues who you know they're going through twenty twenty. They don't have an ideal work environment going on. You're just trying to get to the end of the election, and you're checking some email. You click on the work Zoom. All of a sudden, you catch eyes with Tubin, who's uh, angling the laptop <laughs> downstairs. You gotta be, it's gotta be like a horror film, right? Like a, like a fever dream when your legs stop working and you can't run away. I mean, it's- How are the screenshots not out yet? That's what I'm shocked by. How are the screenshots not out? There had um, to have been a pretty quick legal memorandum written to all of Here are your rights when your coworker pulls it out and starts going to town. <laughs> oh. I don't want to like, I don't look, this is the last thing I'll say. I don't know how this whole thing uh, finished, shall we say? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I read the story and it sounds like he got back on the Zoom. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> what a trip. <laughs> so, so here, this is my, this is what I'm pleading for, right? We're in a bad era of journalism. I don't understand why it's so bad. They've got to get some credibility back. Here is, here is my plea. If you want the 2020 Pulitzer, the way to accomplish that is give us a survivor's account of that brief <laughs> minutes in the New Yorker Zoom. Just give it to us in Hands all the glory. We want the TikTok on that. We want the TikTok on how that went through. <laughs> I mean, right, enough about Tubin, enough about Tubin. What, what we got to cover here, because it's really relevant, 
going tonight is Nothing. the third, well, it's going to be the second. It was supposed to be the third presidential debate, which I think is going to have huge, huge uh, ramifications ultimately on the election. Smug, what's your take? Yeah, so you got this like crooked election committee, right? Which is just rewriting the rules willy-nilly whenever they feel like it. It's all people who hate Trump. So what do they do is they're going to throw in a mute button. Uh, so whenever they want, they can just silence anyone, meaning Trump. And it, it, here's the interesting thing, though, is I know you've brought this up before, Josh. You said, you know, your advice to Trump in the debate would be to let Biden talk, let him dig his own hole. Uh, you know, he's going to have no escape if, if, if President Trump can't go after him. He's going to have to just blabber on and uh, look like a complete you know, dementia-riddled <laughs> idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's a solid point, right? I mean, look, if, if I were on Team Trump, what I would say is have President Trump walk up, hand the old man a microphone, pull up a seat, pour a scotch or a Diet Coke or whatever it is that he drinks, uh, and let him have at it. Because, yeah. you know, it, it, there's two things that don't work on, on Biden, his mouth and his brain. So let him use both <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> I fully support that idea. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to is it's going to be Biden just completely exposed to everyone. I mean, honestly, the way that that in the in the first debate or in the, the only debate before this, the way that Trump just like beat the hell out of him, you know, it got sympathy for Biden, which is which is something else. And he, he didn't have to explain himself. I mean, God knows they're not going to ask him any questions about like Hunter's laptop. Yeah. Uh, any of the sketchiness, will he pack the courts? You know, he's not going to get any of that. But at the very least, you know, the American audience is going to be treated to seeing just how much of a fossil this dude really is. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I think a win is, right? I mean, yeah. I hope that President Trump doesn't think that they're going to litigate and solve the, the Hunter Biden fiasco on stage tonight. Because if that's the case, again, you're going to kind of hand Biden what he wants here, which is this sort of ugly scrap on, on stage. What he doesn't want is to have to actually explain to people what he's going to do with our economy, which, by yeah. the way, he's planning to ruin. Totally. Totally. I mean, they're going to – he has yet to answer any questions about all the stuff he's going to be forced to do when AOC, you know, would have him at gunpoint if he gets elected. He's going to have to, he's going to, have to get that Green New Deal. He's going to have to pack the courts. He's going to have to essentially just turn this country into just a socialist nightmare. And he's never had to answer for any of that. And, you know – God knows they probably won't ask him tonight, but at least we'd have the chance to hear him. I know. I know. I can't well, – I, I really can't wait. I mean, obviously, the, the Presidential Debate Commission, in my view, have made every wrong move here all along the way from their reaction to the first debate to canceling the second debate or making it virtual without even talking to the candidates for crying out loud. Um, and then to third, sort of like, as you mentioned, putting this mute button in, which may actually end up working out for Trump. But – but either way, I mean, look, we are very close to a presidential election. All this stuff means a lot. I'm going to be psyched up. I know you're going to be psyched up. Totally. This audience is going to be psyched up. Let's go. Totally. And, uh, you know, speaking of the mute button, I think that's, uh, that's about a wrap. I think that's where we hit the mute button on this one, giving the folks their preview of what's to come. It's going to be it's going to be great. We can't wait to have you along. We're going to do some big interviews with some big people that are uh, coming up in the next couple episodes, but we wanted to give you a little look under the hood. So hit that subscribe button and tell your friends. Finally, there's a good podcast you can listen to if you're a conservative. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Welcome to Ruthless.